everybody. Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 132. What a crazy week of sports we've had, man. And we're going to try to talk about it all. World Baseball Classic, all the way to March Madness, everything in between, man. It's going to be yeah, a fun it's one. Been- been a fun week a lot of nfl stuff going down with free agency trades all that stuff of this past week uh the world baseball classic has produced some crazy moments and i'll get to those in a few seconds here uh and then yes, of sir. course march madness too and we've seen some pretty iconic upsets and you know a 15 seed in the sweet 16 and fdu being purdue is something that skylar will talk about too yeah. uh and i guess i'll let you go ahead and get right into that because my all right i think segues into the map the sports player of the week so the best thing i saw was fairly dickinson the 16 seed beating purdue the one seed fairly dickinson fdu the shortest team in the nation going up against zach Eady, the seven foot four center and they got it done man it was an awesome game sean moore a guy i'd never heard of dropped 19 points on purdue uh one seed Zach Eady still did his thing, man, but it wasn't enough. And what makes this even better is I actually had this on multiple brackets, FDU winning. And uh, you could call me lucky, but I don't care, man. I still had it. <laughs> so that's yeah. definitely the best thing I saw. I don't know if you've seen two yet, but uh, Tobin Anderson, their head coach, also agreed to take Iona's head coaching spot now, Good squad. Uh, which was Rick Patino's spot before he went to St. John's, I'm pretty sure, just a couple mm-hmm. days ago. Uh, but a guy who's probably going to end up being a power five head coach here within the next couple of years, because you could just tell the, by the way that his persona was per, portrayed on uh national TV and just in their broadcast and stuff. Yeah. This is the guy that you want to play for. Kyle uh, loves his coach. That's how, that's how <laughs> it goes. All right. For my opener, I want to talk about some of the iconic WBC moments and that kind of leads me also into the American sports player of the week with Trey Turner being that guy uh, for his grand slam home run to give the team USA the lead in the seventh inning of the game against Venezuela. What a crazy moment there. I mean, every it's all over everything over these past few days. And then Trey Turner followed it up the next day by hitting two homers against Cuba in USA's 14 to two. I believe domination route uh, to lead them to the final. Uh, And then that took us to the next day when Mexico and Japan squared off to determine who the U S was going to play in the final. And this game was an absolute beauty started off with Roki Sasaki going up against Patrick Sandoval, not Pablo uh, Sasaki. If you don't know about him, you will in a few years because he's only 21 years old and he's already throwing 102, still playing in Japan at this point. Uh, but he was great until he left over a slider to, uh, I believe, is Luis Urias. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know which one it was. Luis. Uh, yeah. Luis Urias, who hit a three run bomb, giving Mexico a four nut or three nothing lead in the fourth inning. Uh, and it was stayed that way until the seventh inning. And then in the bottom of the seventh inning with two men on and two out Masataka Yoshida, who just signed a five year with the Red Sox in this past off season, hit a ball off the right field foul pole, tying up the game. And it didn't take long for Mexico to retake the lead though. In the top half of the eight, they scored two runs Verdugo with big hit and somebody else. I believe it was just like a fielder's choice or whatever, but Regardless, Mexico was up three to 
three to five going into the bottom of the eighth inning. Japan adds one more, makes it a one run game. And then we get to the bottom half of the ninth. Japan down one, Shohei Otani leading off, and he took matters into his own own hands, driving the ball into the gap, easily getting into second. And one thing you don't see too often with these Japanese players is emotion. That's something that you just never really see from them. It's more of a stoic kind of, I guess, respectful, if you want to call it. And Shohei did not care. Gets on second, starts screaming and yelling, getting the dugout fired up. And that was great to see from a guy who who never shows that emotion. Uh, after a walk, a pitch runner goes on to first base, who's, I guess, is super fast dude over in Japan. I, I think his name is his last name is Shuto. I don't know his first name and I don't want to mispronounce it. But that led to Munateka Morikami coming to the plate with runners on first and second. Nobody out. And he hit an absolute missile off the right center field wall uh, in Miami Two run score walk off double. Japan wins the game, and that sets up the game tonight that we'll talk about in a in a little bit. I'm not going to go that far quite yet, but just some of these iconic moments so far have been absolutely crazy. Uh, and yeah, that's my opener slash the Immaculate Sports Player of the Week. And I guess we can just go ahead and get into the team reports now as well, yeah. too. Uh, so for the Jets and the Raiders, <laughs> we've probably both made some signings over this past week. Or some moves, I guess. Some uh, pending moves. you want to talk about with the Jetropolitan? Well, last week we talked about how we were very likely getting Alan Lazard. And that is is a done deal. That's great. But what we didn't know was if Aaron Rodgers was coming. He said the next day, on Wednesday, on the Pat McAfee show, he wants to be a Jet. He doesn't want to retire. That's the one team he wants to go to. So we're just pending trade right now. Just like Trey Wingo predicted, which is awesome. I love Trey Wingo. Um, that it's something's holding it up trade wise. And the Packers, we found out want a whole bunch for Rogers, but they don't have much leverage. Um, and that's about it so far. We've been interested in Ben Jones, former Titans center, because we don't have a center. We haven't re-signed McGovern yet. Uh, and we'll probably draft somebody too. And that's, that's a jet report for now, man. We're just crossing our fingers. Nothing weird goes on with the Rogers trade. We got a yeah. quarterback, man. As far as the Raiders go, uh, all the alleged signings from last week turned into official signings. I don't think we lost anybody. Uh, and then as far as some of the other moves that we made, uh, Jakob Johnson returns on his uh, just one-year deal for the fullback. With Darren Waller being gone, we needed to sign a tight end, and we signed O.J. Howard, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, not exactly what I wanted, but I guess that's – I mean, what are you going to do about it? Uh, wide receiver room got – a bit more depth going into it as Philip Dorsett and Cam Sims signed with the team. So a couple interesting guys there who obviously aren't going to be a one, two or three guys with Renfro Adams and Jacoby Myers being on the squad, but a solid four and five receiver there. Keelan Cole also resigned there too. It's not popping up on the spreadsheet. I'm looking at though, a uh, couple O line moves, nothing too crazy. Uh, D line. He signed Jordan Willis, who, it's just a special teamer, really. Jerry Tillery, who was solid for us after we picked him up from the Chargers. We cut pick. him. He was a former first-round pick. We signed him to a two-year deal, so I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, Bob Spillane, I believe I talked about that last week, but mm. he's uh, in the linebacking room now. Uh, and then some some uh, secondary stuff with Brandon Faison returning to the Raiders after a year in Indianapolis, somebody who I really liked in the 2021 season. 
Uh, led our team in pass deflections that year, and now he's back as a corner on our squad. Marcus Epps, I talked about him last week. Jaquan Johnson, who was with the Bills. I believe he's not good, but he's a good tackler or something like okay. that. So that'll be interesting. And we also signed a long snapper to a three-year deal, which means Trent C got cut. <laughs> I don't know what you got to do to get cut as a long snapper, but I don't know. I didn't see anything wrong with Trent Sieg. Uh, Maybe it's right uh, now, financial purposes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, at this point, we don't have a ton of money left. Uh so not really going to be any too crazy moves coming out of free agency. I doubt we see anything as far as trades go for the Raiders because money's kind of been guaranteed up to this point. So it's kind of tr- tough to trade that when it gets there. Uh, and then the draft is about a month away. So we'll oh, know yeah. more then. And I assume that that will be a pretty exciting time when when that stuff's going down. So let's hop back to the WBC now. Uh, I pretty much we we pretty much did the recap, and, and when I was talking about the yeah. like, sports player week, of course there was a few games that uh have happened that I didn't talk about then, but now they don't really matter at this point because it's just like Italy losing to Japan, mm-hmm. uh Puerto Rico losing to Mexico. That was a great one too. That was a good game too. Uh, but just some light stuff there. Obviously, all those teams have been eliminated now, except for the U.S. and Japan, and that sets us up for the game of a lifetime, which will be a fun one tonight. Starts in about 50 minutes from now. That's why we're doing the episode a little bit early today. So we'll probably get up a couple hours early too. Merrill Kelly versus Shoda E. Imanaga. That's his last name. Yeah. Uh, Should be a fun one. Surprisingly, no you Darvish starting in this game. That's kind of what we thought was going to happen. And then, I guess Japan went the other way, but we could see him in the bullpen. We could see Shohei in the bullpen to possibly close it out. Uh, but how about this game, Skyler? How about it? I'm excited, man. Uh, I, as of right now, I think I, I got to go with the favorites, Team USA. The lineup is cooking right now. It's crazy. Everybody's hot, and that's what you expect from a bunch of all-stars, right? But, um, you know, Japan, no slack over there either. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the pitching for USA. I think the strategy with Merrill Kelly here is try to get him through three, four innings without giving up too many runs because the bullpen is, is pretty good other than a couple of weird instances from like Daniel Bard this week, the bullpen's been pretty locked down and, uh, and I'm excited because it's looking like we got everybody available, the pitching staff, yeah. and it, which obviously is in our strong suit. So uh, yeah. maybe we see some, some interesting moves here, maybe a starter coming in. We'll see. Yeah, it should be interesting. And I think one thing to note about this USA team that we've seen over these past few games since they've went to Miami is we see the lineup playing together. And I think when we saw the games in Arizona, there's only one loss in there, but maybe the game against Great Britain should have been a bit more lopsided. And same thing with Columbia. You just didn't see the lineup hitting together you didn't see a one hitter hitting as a leadoff guy and you know all those things that a lineup puts together coming together and scoring runs without just hitting homer after homer after homer uh, and now we're seeing it we're seeing mookie and trouts at the table for the other guys we're seeing goldie and arenado really driving and runs really going crazy in the three and four spot and then we're seeing the bottom half of the lineup obviously do a ton of work too not even to mention the best nine hitter in the history of nine hitters and trey turner uh, and I think it, 
just this lineup right now seems unbeatable. Uh, I don't really know what Shota throws for Japan, so I don't really know if this is the guy that has been in Japan for a long time, if he's this younger guy. But it should be a fun fun game to watch, and I know there's going to be a ton of people watching because it's probably going to be the most watched baseball game ever with Japan's audiences plus ours. Should be fun to watch. Uh, and then one more thing that I did hear yeah. a little bit about. I've heard some people talking about wanting, having the MLB expand to Japan. Is that something that you'd be interesting in, interested in, Skylar? It's not really something that we had on here, of course, but I well, I'd throw I, that out there while yeah. we're talking about it. Obviously, uh, MLB is in need of some expansion, but I, I don't think it's going to be with Japan. I think we're going to keep a very similar posting style uh, recruitment for at least another 10 years, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. We were even joking the other night, we were getting our favorite NPB teams. We were going to follow this year because it's great baseball. And, Mm. uh, and I agree. We should be, should be checking in a little bit more. I do have some, uh, some numbers on Shoto here. If you want to. Yeah, go ahead. A little bit more about it. Uh, he went 12 and four with a two ERA last year for Yokohama lefty. Like you said, 29 year old threw a no hitter last year. Uh, and I guess he has also been a WBC guy, too. It says he pitched great against Australia in the qualifiers, something like that. And, uh, yeah, worst year was a four ERA in 2018, and he's been, wow, very electric based on the numbers here, a strikeout guy from the left side. So that definitely scares me a little bit. Should be fun. And I think uh, one more note before we go ahead yeah, and head yeah. into halftime is the, with the, the MLB expansion to Japan and why I don't think it'd be the greatest idea is because I feel like if you're Japanese and you, you're playing in Japan, the whole thing of playing in the Nippon League is such a big thing. And yeah. like, why would the MLB try to go destroy something that is not theirs in the first place? I mean, obviously, if this were to happen, Japan would probably have to be down with it in the first place. But I just feel like it, it would be MLB kind of overstepping when it came down to it. But as far as the play goes over there, mm-hmm. the young guys, the 22, 23 year olds that we're seeing Murakami, Sasaki, guys like that, like. They're on the same playing field, if not better than some of our younger guys that we have here. And it's it's a pretty fun league to watch. And that's why, you know, we got to pick teams. And so we're going to the. Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Oh, let's go, man. Right. Like, like you said, though, just one more thing, I guess, man, we got to mention mm-hmm. someone like Bobby Witt. He's not hitting three for us. He got what one AB and a couple pinch running spots that, you mm-hmm. know, that's the difference, I guess. Yeah. Let's go ahead and send it yeah, to halftime. Okay. All right. So it's halftime. I only got one thing here because uh, I guess we'll, we'll give away the spoiler. Our bets. This week, we're just going to predict all the Sweet 16 games. So that's going to be a bigger thing. But in halftime, I have the wide receiver rankings for the draft. It's coming in a month, so we'll talk about the top five guys. Guys, you should know if you're looking for a receiver. We'll start off with my number one guy. It's going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State. Known for the slot work, but I think he could be a superstar, like a C.D. Lamb kind of guy. That's how he started. Oh, why would we take him in the first round if he's only a slot guy? Well, C.D. Lamb's a superstar now. My number two guy. Jordan Addison from USC, he's your your stereotypical slot guy. I've been hearing he may fall in the draft a little bit just because he's not super fast, super big, but that's a solid guy who will probably be going in the first round. Uh, number three, 
I have Zay Flowers from Boston College. He's pretty much everything I said about Addison except elite speed. Very fast slot dude. Could do it all. So I have him a little higher here. I like the slot guys in this class. Number four, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. He's the best deep threat in the class. Odell Beckham type playmaker. If you remember the young years when he would go up and get it, man, every time. And number five, Quinnen Johnston from TCU. I haven't fallen a little bit here. And uh, it's crazy size and speed comparison here. You know, Mike Williams type of guy. But I really think there's a possibility he could be a bust because I've seen him drop a lot of passes. And he was a little bit smaller than he said he was at the combine. So that's something to keep an eye on. And uh, it's not about the draft this episode. So that's it. I'm just giving you the top five receivers. And maybe we'll get through all the positions by the time we get to the draft. Maybe not. But uh not quite draft season, so that's all we got for halftime. Yeah, still about a month out, I believe. Yeah, Let's go ahead and send it back to the second half where we're talking football ex- with the exception of the March Madness talk at the end of the episode. Uh, we talked about players specifically and who we think did the best uh, within these, this, past, uh, this past week and so forth in our last episode. So this week we're talking about teams. Uh, which teams have done the most in free agency and what do you think uh, was been the best moves and stuff like that? So Skyler, which team yeah. has improved the most during free agency? A lot of teams have spent Actually, a lot one, one of thing, money. I yes. forgot. Yes. I completely forgot about one thing and that is to say the moves that have happened within this past week. Go ahead. No. So sorry for interrupting there. <laughs> uh, but let me jump back a second and kind of just go over the stuff that we have had happen uh, starting from last Wednesday to now. Darren Waller got traded to the Giants. Rashad Penny signed with the Eagles. Alan Lazard signed with the Jets, like Skyler talked about. Stephon Gilmore got traded to the Cowboys. James Bradbury re-signed in Philly. Matt Ryan got released. Uh, Dalton, Andy Dalton went to the Panthers. Lane Van Der Esch resigned. David Montgomery went to Detroit. Hayden Hurst to the Panthers. Baker to Tampa. Pro Bowl Poe, Jordan Poyer back to Buffalo. Juju to New England. Ezekiel Elliott got cut. That's a pretty big one. Jacoby Brissett to the Commanders. That somehow fell through. I didn't know that happened. Uh, Browns release Jadavion Clowney. Not too sh- big of a shock there. Fletcher Cox resigns to the Eagles. Jamal Williams goes to New Orleans on a three-years deal. Uh, Miles Sanders joins in the same division but goes to Carolina. Orlando Brown to Cincinnati. That means Jonah Williams is not happening. He wants a trade now. Uh, Darius Slayton resigns to the Giants. Gardner Minshew goes to Indy. Darius Slay got extended in Philly. Dante Foreman goes to Chicago. Mike Gusecki to New England. Mariota to Philadelphia. Laramie Tunsil again became the highest paid tackle in NFL history. Uh, Brandon Cooks got traded to the Cowboys. Adam Thielen signs to the Panthers. John C. Gardner Johnson Jr. to the Detroit Lions on a one-year deal. Pretty interesting there. Uh, Dalton Schultz to Houston, David Singletary to Houston, Damian Harris to Buffalo, uh, and then Cam Newton uh, goes to Auburn for a pro day. Very nice. So now back to what you're saying about the best team improvement over free agency. So like I was saying, and you probably heard there from Kyle, a lot of teams have spent a lot of money, but I don't necessarily believe those were the most improved rosters. So I'm going to go with Miami. The Dolphins added Jalen Ramsey, David Long, Deshaun Elliott, and Vic Fangio to the defense. Also retained most of the offense, running backs, Mostert, Jeff Wilson. 
So I think that is the move there because going from an average defense to likely one of the best now definitely helps in that division. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miami was one of the teams I wanted to put on here. I ended up putting two teams because two teams stand out to me. Uh, but I, I think one kind of is a bit of a head for me. Uh, first off, I want to talk about the Detroit Lions and the stuff that they've done. Sina Montgomery, Graham Glasnow, uh, a couple guys on their D line that are solid guys, corners and Emmanuel Mosley, Cameron Sutton, CG, GJ was a great signing as well, too. I think the Lions just, they kind of just bolstered up. Uh, and maybe, I mean, besides Gardner Johnson, didn't sign the biggest guys in free agency, but they got a lot of studs, man. And I think when you look around the NFL and you see these good teams, what really makes them good is depth and not having you know, a guy get injured and become completely screwed. Uh, on the other side of that, though, there's a there's one team that kind of stands out to me as far as improving the most on the big guys, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Stephon Gilmore was perfect acquisition for that team, in my opinion. I think when you look at their defense, the only real thing that was wrong with them was their cornerback, too. Throughout the entire year, it was whoever was that second guy, just getting targeted over and over and over again. And Stephon Gilmore is not going to be that guy anymore. So I think they did a great job there. And they improved on offense with Brandon <laughs> Cooks too. Uh, now kind of just makes the wide receiver room really, really deep at this point. And he's a guy who can get open downfield, as he's seen on all 85 teams that he's played in over the last eight years. And Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore. I mean, that's, that's, that's all I got to say for the Cowboys. What about the other side, though, Skyler? What about yeah. the team that has had the worst free agency? I'm going to say the Ravens had the worst. This is supposed to be the offseason that they got all their shit together, but instead they couldn't get a deal done with Lamar. They lost Ben Powers, Calais Campbell, and Josh Oliver. But, hey, at least you re-signed Trayvon Mullen, right? And I get a lot of people think this is the Packers, but uh, I'll save that for our Packers talk a little later. Yeah. The, the Ravens are up here for me, too. Uh, when you look, at, I'm on this spreadsheet right now that yeah. shows all the team's moves that they've made in free agency, and the Ravens is the shortest list out of all of them. It's, you know, Lamar got the non-exclusive franchise tag. They re-signed Justice Hill, and Trayvon Mullen got re-signed to a deal, and that's all they have on there. Uh, so they are a team that I think has done terrible, but another team that I think has done really bad is the Cincinnati Bengals. I know they got Orlando Brown, but at that point it's kind of just replacing him for Jonah Williams. And I think Jonah Williams is a solid tackle. So is that, I mean, it's a net gain, but how much, uh, and then they lost a lot of guys as well too. They lost both their safeties and Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And then they also lost Hayden Hurst. They'll probably make up Hayden Hurst in the tight ends, but when you, Look at safeties, Von Bell and Jesse Bates. That's like a top five safety duo in the league. And now they're Big both year gone. for Dax Hill. Exactly. And when you look at the AFC and the quarterbacks in that division, one reason why the Bengals were so good is because their safeties were so good and they could stop somewhat like hold up a Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or yeah, I guess even Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, guys like that. But it's going to be a lot harder with all those guys gone now. So I think the Bengals... Obviously, the Ravens now, too, have had terrible free agencies. Let's talk about the NFC South, because that division is a complete mess, and it's probably the most wide open out of any division in the entire NFL right now. 
So we're just going to power rank them. Mm-hmm. Who's your fourth best team or the worst team yeah. in the NFC South? The bottom of the South is going to be the Panthers. They're going to take a quarterback with the number one pick. It'll be Stroud or Young, whichever you prefer. I think it'll be a top guy still, not Richardson. But you need to find some help for that quarterback before they'll be able to win anything, even in this division. So I'm a little bit worried for whoever that is uh, just getting destroyed by a bad offensive line. I'm going at number four with the Falcons. I just don't love this roster, and I know they've improved a little bit and they've retained a decent amount of their guys, but, I mean, their offense just doesn't have a ton of direction. I love Ritter, but I just don't know if he's going to be that guy in the NFL at this point. And I was surprised to see that they weren't more aggressive going after, I, I don't know, like I know they got Taylor Heineke, but like a Baker or a Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody like that, which just would have been a bit better for them in the situation that they're in. So I'm going with the Falcons at fourth. I think their defense should be decent, but their offense is going to be terrible. On to number three. Number three, I have the Bucks. The Trask Mayfield quarterback room is not ideal, but it's still a great defense with some playmakers. Uh, no quarterback uh, is going to be the downfall of a otherwise pretty exciting team. They should be around 500. Yeah, the the Bucks, they really their roster is only really changing with Baker Mayfield or Tom Brady going to Baker Mayfield. I know Leonard Fournette won't be there, but that won't be much of a loss. Uh, and I have Tampa in my number three spot too. Uh, when I guess I say that, yeah. so this team is gonna be mid. That's that's all I really got from them. There's not gonna be anything too crazy about them. They're not gonna be exciting. They're not gonna be fun to watch. But they'll probably win seven or eight games and. Be a 500 team. Yeah. What about number two? Number two, I do have the Falcons here. Uh, the defense has gotten so much better. Jesse Bates, David Onyemata, Mike Hughes even is not a bad corner number two to have. Um, but like you said, the offense is a question mark. If Ritter plays well and they keep running the ball, they could easily take down New Orleans. But I do, do not trust the offense at all. I'm going with the Panthers at, at number two, so I guess me and Scott are flip-flop there. And I just kind of see more of the Panthers' direction with their team. I like their defense a lot with a lot of the young guys that they brought in over this past year, few years in the draft. Uh, and then also signing Von Bell is another guy that I talked about for Cincy, what made them have one of the worst free agencies. Von Bell coming to Carolina is a, is a big gain in, in being a veteran in that secondary group. And then their offense is completely remodeled. Uh, whether it's Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, whoever they take at number one, or if they trade down, whatever it is, it's probably going to be a quarterback. But it's a completely different group around that quarterback than what they've had in previous years. Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, Hayden Hurst. It's a, it's a decent group. And I think with their defense being pretty good and their offense probably having a a young polarizing QB. I don't think the Panthers are going to be that bad. And I think they could slide into a number two spot. Uh, me and Skyler matched up at number one though. Yep. Tell me why the Saints are number one. Uh, Derek Carr is the only quarterback I can trust in this division. Um, they've retained a lot of offense too. Plus uh, adding Jamal Williams for when Kamara gets suspended for <laughs> his uh, bar fight in Vegas. Yep. So for those reasons, the Saints are at the top. It shouldn't be by uh a giant margin here, but they have a good quarterback. Can't say that about the other teams. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I, of course, also have the Saints here too. It's 
just looking at Carr specifically, he gone to this point in where he's been in the AFC West that has always been so star studded, whether it was Patrick Mahomes or Phillip Rivers or Justin Herbert or Peyton Manning always being in the division and him always being the guy, the QB in the division that's been overshadowed. Now he's the, I guess you could call it star QB of this division. And the Saints have one of the best well-rounded rosters in I don't know about all the football, but as far as the NFC, I guess, because the NFC is yeah. kind of down low, but I think they'll probably win 10, 11 games, especially with the division that they're in. They should win probably four or five divisional games and, you know, go 500 outside of the division gets you in a pretty good spot. So the Saints, give me them as the best team in the NFC South. Let's go ahead and talk about the Packers because we've been talking about Aaron Rodgers a lot recently, of course, with Skyler yeah. being a Jets fan, and that's been a pretty relevant situation going on and him going to the Jets, but we've never really talked about the Packers and the other side of that. So let's talk about Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Does he have enough to keep Green Bay relevant? Is he going to be good? Is he going to be a bust? What do you think of Jordan Love and the stuff that they still have there in Green Bay? I'd be a fool to say love can't do it because he looked really good when he played this last year. And Mm -hmm. a reason why I didn't have the Packers in my, my worst free agency group is because I feel like they've been preparing for this moment. Even if it doesn't look as good on paper, I think they're ready to go and probably drafting another offensive player to help them out too. Um, So I don't think it'll be as bad as it appears and he should play through and get another contract. I think. Yeah, I, I think the Green Bay Packers are going to be a pretty intriguing team to watch this year, uh, but I don't think they're going to be that good. When you look at the other teams in the NFC, none of them really super crazily stand out as Super Bowl contenders, except for, of course, the Eagles and the Niners and maybe the Cowboys, if you want to throw that in there, too. But there's a lot of teams around the NFC that have became decent this offseason. Uh, the Seahawks are still good. The Cardinals aren't going to be good, so you don't got to worry about them. But the Saints... You know, like Skyler and I said, the Panthers of the Falcons could be a team that's within that wild card range, too. When you look in their division alone, the Lions and the Vikings are probably going to be two double digit win teams now at this point. Uh, And then the NFC East entire division is solid, except for maybe the commanders. But they're still probably going to find their way into seven or eight victories at that point. I just don't think the Packers have enough to keep up with it. I think Jordan Love should be solid and he should be fun to watch and maybe a good fantasy guy. But he just doesn't have a ton of targets to throw to. Bob Tanyan's gone. Alan Lazard is gone. But he's got Christian Watson, and and that's about it. And, of course, a couple running backs, too. All righty, everybody. Let's go ahead and send it to, I guess, the layups and bold predictions because there's a little bit of both in this section. We're talking the Sweet 16, and we're predicting – these eight games and what's going on here the for the games that are going to transpire on, I believe, Thursday and Friday this yep. week. Uh, so we'll get right into it with Kansas State going up against Michigan State. As far as these two teams pass to get to the spots that they're at right now, Kansas State took down number 14, Montana State, and number six, Kentucky. And then number seven, Michigan State took down USC in the first round and then took down number two seeded Marquette. Take it to this spot. Skyler, what do you have here for this matchup? What should be a fun one, honestly. Uh Yeah, I got K-State in this one. Keontae Johnson, due for another 20-point game. That's their best player, draft prospect. They just beat Kentucky, and they're better than Michigan State. So sorry, Tom Izzo, but you only get one upset this year. 
I think this one is an interesting one for me. And I I had a lot of brackets that I had Michigan State going deep, and I had a lot of brackets that I had Kansas State going deep, whereas either this team or the other team was the team that's making it out of this spot, whether it wasn't going to be Marquette, wasn't going to be USC, wasn't going to be Kentucky. It was always going to be one of these two teams for me. Uh, but I'm going with Michigan State because that's the team that I have in my final four in our right. bracket specifically uh, so give me Michigan State. Moving on to the next game that we have, we have Arkansas and UConn. Uh, number eight Arkansas has had a pretty fun pass to this point at, uh, as they beat Illinois in the first round and then took down number one, the reigning champ, Kansas. Uh, and then UConn got here from a pretty interesting pass themselves, taking down Iona, number 13, and then St. Mary's. Uh, so, Skyler, who do you have as far as UConn versus Arkansas? I'm going to go with the eight seed, Arkansas. I really like UConn, but they played their first two games in New York. That's their backyard. And now they're going to get upset playing in Vegas. Arkansas is a really deep team. Lots of NBA guys, again, and like seven guys on their team who can shoot. So even if someone gets in foul trouble, they, they're going to be okay. We saw that against Kansas. So I'm going with the upset here. Yeah, my bracket, the main one that I have, I had Illinois versus St. Mary's in this game. So I was completely <laughs> way off. None of these two teams even made it that far for me. But I'm going Arkansas. I think when you upset a number one team, that's going to definitely put a lot of fuel into your veins. And sometimes it can be a little bit too much because you're saying, oh, wow, we just took down number one. And you get overconfident. But I don't think Arkansas is going to do that. They kind of understand the assignment. And I think they can advance to the elite eight. Moving on to another game that we have now, and this is a fun one too. FAU Florida Atlantic, who is 32 and three coming into, into this game, completely destroyed their conference. Uh, and then Tennessee, the number four seed, as far as these two teams pass, uh, FAU took down Memphis by one point in the first round and they beat fairly Dickinson uh, in this past game. And then Tennessee, they took down the raging Cajuns and then took down the storied Duke. In uh, the round of 32, taking us to the Sweet 16. Skyler, who do you yeah. have here? Tennessee is going to destroy the Owls on Thursday. Uh, they got the third best defense in the nation. And if they're going to beat Duke by 15-plus points, they're uh, looking really good right now. Give me FAU, man. I'm oh. taking another upset here. This team was a team that I... I tried to bet against a couple times in the regular season because I saw the odds. I'm like, oh. Just because they're a super good team in their certain conference, they won't do good against these other teams. And they they showed me why they were 32-3 and three throughout the season. So I'm going to keep it going here and take FAU, the number nine seed, going to the Elite Eight. Moving on to the last game that we have that will be on Thursday. And that is, I keep on saying this, but another fun, probably yeah. more storied matchup here versus Gonzaga and UCLA Gonzaga's path to the sweet 16 was taken on TCU in the round of 32 and Arizona state or not Arizona state grand Canyon in the first round UCLA. They took care of business in their two games, taking down UNC Asheville in the first one and then Northwestern in round two Skyler, Who do you have here for this West coast matchup? UCLA missing Jalen Clark. The defensive player of the year for the season is a big reason why I don't have him winning the championship. But I think I'm going to pick him to beat Gonzaga because Gonzaga doesn't play any defense at all. UCLA survives one more round 
in a massive shootout. I'm taking UCLA too, man. When I saw this team play in person, I could tell that this team was super, super deep. Whether it's Amari Bailey, Jerome Jaquez, Tiger Campbell being on that team too, and a couple other guys, this team is really, really, really deep. And it's very experienced when you look at the college level and, and guys that have been and played so far in the tournament. But I think also when you look at Gonzaga, they yeah. got the same exact thing with Drew Timmy being there for, what, 13 years now at this point. So it makes it tough. I think Gonzaga matches up well with UCLA, but they're the team that I picked to win it all. So I'm going UCLA for this one. Moving on to the games that are on Friday, we started off with Bama versus San Diego State uh, as the first game on Friday. Uh, Bama took down Texas A&M Corpus Christi in the first round and then Maryland in the second round. San Diego State took down Charleston in the first round and then Furman, the 13 seed in the second round. So a couple high seeded teams that San Diego State has played so far. Skyler, how do you think San Diego State fares against Bama on Friday? Yeah, Bama hasn't looked great so far, but this is not San Diego's matchup they want to be in right now uh the defense was great in the first two games but they were against some pretty bad teams uh and Bama's the number one seed in the entire tournament for a reason Brandon Miller is big time due he hasn't done much yet he's due for some some fireworks here against San Diego yeah I I like that pick there too Skylar I'm also picking Bama the one seed up against San Diego State the five seed Moving on to another one seed, the only other one seed left in the bracket right now. That's Houston going up against Miami. Houston's pass to the Sweet 16 was against North Northern Kentucky and Auburn. And then Miami's pass was against Drake and Indiana. Who do you think moves on here? Houston, also another one seed with kind of a slow start here. But Miami has shot horribly this tournament. Uh, a lot of people like Miami. They got Isaiah Wong, who's an upperclassman guard, who's been pretty good. But uh, again, has been horrible in this tournament. So I'm sticking with Houston. They're the number one defense in the nation. They'll figure it out. I have Houston in my final four. So I guess you can kind of tell who I'm yeah. picking here. Uh, give me can we fucking the Cougars, I guess. I don't know. Uh, next game, massive upset opportunity here. We have the 15 seed Ivy League Princeton going up against Creighton, the sixth seed. Creighton's path to the Sweet 16 was against NC State and Baylor. So a couple of decently big wins there. And then Princeton took down Arizona in the first round and then took down Missouri. And as we heard in the press conference, anything is possible for this squad do you think that they can make it to the Elite Eight? No, their run's over. Uh, the Blue Jays just dropped 85 points on Baylor, who just won the Natty a couple years ago and have a lot of the same players. Uh, Creighton should be just fine in this one. Yeah, I, I have Creighton going to the Elite Eight in my original bracket, and it's staying that way. I love this Creighton team and how they play, and they score a lot of points and move the ball fast. So give me Creighton and uh Fun run by Princeton, but I don't think they're moving on to the lead eight. And that sets up the last game that we need to predict. And that's Xavier versus Texas. Uh, two versus three. I believe that's the only two versus three matchup. Actually, UCLA, no, Gonzaga, Gonzaga. UCLA yeah. is, is another one, too. Uh, but as far as Texas, the two seed, their path, they took down Colgate in the first round and then Penn State in the second round. Xavier took down Kennesaw State in the first round and then Pitt in the second round. 
So Skyler. Yeah. Last game, Xavier, Texas. Who do you got? There's always a couple big East teams who are going to get really far in the tournament, even though it's uh, not expected. And I think that's going to be Creighton and Xavier here. Um, sorry, Alex. It's, it's Xavier. <laughs> Xavier's two best players in a game against Kennesaw State were arguing at each other. It was on TV. They were talking about it. It looked really bad. And then right after that, they just started playing perfect. They came back to beat Kennesaw State and destroyed the Cinderella team, Pittsburgh, with 48 first-half points. So I think they're going to keep riding that and uh, Big East supremacy, man. Yeah, give me Xavier here, too. I, I agree. Uh, I think it's a fun squad, and I think they should be fine against Texas. I don't really know exactly why, but I think they should be fine. That's how March Madness goes. The guest <laughs> is as man. good as the person who's been watching college basketball all season. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 132. Episode 133 next week will be a fun yeah. one because that's our full in-depth MLB season preview. Skylar, I'm pumped for that. We'll know. The Rockies in the World Series. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but... <laughs> Some crazy stuff like that will be talked about next Maybe week. Maybe not that crazy. Not Maybe that not. crazy. But, uh, yeah, it can be fun next week. So we're looking forward to that will be season. We'll know our Elite Eight. I don't think we'll know the Final Four yet. I don't believe. They might be uh, playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. Let's see. See, why does it not show? It, yeah, it does not show. <laughs> there's a possibility we know <laughs> it shows the sweet 16 on march 23rd to 24th and then it shows the final four on april 1st but it doesn't show the date it's weird uh anyways they don't know yet. maybe it's happening who knows maybe they haven't scheduled the dates yet or there is no elite eight and it's scripted uh, uh yes yes the 25th and the 26th all right so that's yeah. this weekend so we will yeah. know our final four at that point uh and i guess we'll we'll see you then Go UCLA. That's fair, man. We'll see you. Fairleigh Dickinson? Is that? No. Is that Fairleigh Dickinson? It's not fair. Uh, FDU. We'll see you guys next week. FDU. FDU. USA. 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 US